Well, welcome church to Church Online today. This is the world that we're living in at this moment and we are praying and believing that we'll be able to return to in-person services as soon as possible. As you've heard during the time of church news, we'll keep you updated through all the social media channels and direct texts. So make sure that we've got your details so that we can do that promptly this week, promptly this week. You know, today I want to continue where we were last week, talking down the line of infectious faith and disregard that little croak in my voice on the way through. That's just simply because I am getting the energy that I need and the vocal cords warmed up so that I can deliver this message as powerfully as possible from the Word of God. We talked about infectious faith last week and we talked about what we need to do during this season with everything changing around about us. How do we hold true to the values that God has put in us, the biblical revelation that is in our hands and on our devices. And you know, whenever you come to a leadership meeting, a planning meeting, and sometimes a Vision Sunday here at Awaken City, you'll often hear us make this statement that as a church, we wanna be big enough to impact and small enough to care. It's a mantra, if you like, that you'll hear us repeat so that it brings us back to our core beliefs. And I think especially during times like now, we need to know what that really means. How does that drive our ethos? How does that influence our decision-making process? Well, take being big enough to impact. That means that we're gonna find every possible way to meet in person and online. But the small enough to care means that we will always have an online option for people that can't attend or in times like this when we're unable to meet together. Big enough to impact means that we have a vision that extends beyond our state and national borders into the mission fields of the world. Small enough to care means that we see the family next door, the person sitting beside us and those in need around about us. Big enough to care, uh, big enough to impact, small enough to care is one of those Proverbs mantras that we hold on to as God has spoken to us about the vision to be a church that is Bible believing, people empowering, soul winning and nation changing. You know, one of the most popular memory verses for Christians across the world would have to be John 3.16, for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever would believe in Him would not perish but have eternal life. Second to that, I think the most common, popular, favourite memory verse that Christians quote today comes from Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11. It's actually where we get our theme for this month, Future Hope. I'll read it to you. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. I want to pray right now in this moment, as we think about this Scripture, that God's plans for us are for good and not for disaster, to give us a future and a hope. God, I pray today for everyone tuning into this broadcast, tuning in live, watching in the archives, that God, You would touch them by Your Spirit as only You can. God, we can't do it as communicators, as pastors, as ministers, but God, Your touch on this Word can penetrate our hearts and bring hope and light into our circumstances and into everything that we see going on in our world today. God, would You use this Word today 
and cause light to shine in our soul, for energy to burst forth in our spirit so that we can follow You with all of our hearts. In Jesus' Name, Amen. I encourage you over the next few moments that we are together to push back the distractions, not make this something going on in the background, but sit down, tune in, watch the screen and listen to what God might say to you during these next few moments that we have together. You know, this portion of Scripture, this promise came to God's people at a time when God's people had been sent into exile in Babylon. And false prophets had risen up and said, this is gonna be a short thing, you're gonna be out soon. Don't worry, it's all gonna go well. And God said, don't listen to those lying prophets. They are prophesying lies in my name. God came and clarified, He says, you're gonna be here for 70 years. Friends, that's a lifetime. In fact, what God was saying to His people was, you're going to be in this place for an entire lifetime. You are in this world, but you're not of this world. You're saved and set free, but the final enemy has not been put underfoot, so to speak, to bring it into a New Testament context. God said to His people, you're in exile. And to be in exile literally means a person that is expelled and barred from one's native country, typically for political and punitive or punitive reasons. It's interesting. If we're gonna to continue to live a life that's big enough to impact and small enough to care, we must hold on to biblical perspective on what God's will is for us during this season. On the subject of God's will, can I declare to you today that in prayer, we don't need to spend a whole bunch of time trying to discover what God's will is for us because He's made it very clear throughout Scriptures, both in the old and in the new. You know, right now, globally, we have seen the church lose its freedom of religion and speech, its expression of biblical values and the freedom of public worship. On top of that, we've got isolation at a most moment's notice, business functions being shut down, life rhythms lost in the name of doing the right thing. Children are now being taught in our schools that their biology does not define their gender, that Christianity is an outlier. That is that it's detached from the main body or system of belief and values. That knowing, not knowing your own sexual orientation is okay. And the way to find it is through exploring the 30 plus possible options out there that a certain sector of society is trying to tell us is possible, whilst the Bible explicitly reveals from Genesis through to Revelation that there is man and woman, boy and girl only, and that we are attracted to the opposite sex. I guess I've started at a point that can be called controversial, but I'm not trying to do that this morning. What I am trying to do is bring to you biblical truth in the context of the day that we're now living. In essence, what I'm saying to you today is that we, the church, have woken up out of COVID-19 to an entirely new world. You could say that we've woken up in Babylon. Thankfully, however, the solution that God gave here to the people in Jeremiah's time is a major part of the solution that God is giving to us today. I would say that the truths revealed here in this portion of Scripture are eternal, they're timeless and they're the solution for each one of us to keep moving forward, to hold our ground in God during these times. 
I want to read to you that portion of Scripture that precedes verse 11, the great promise. Here in verse 5 of Jeremiah chapter 20, 29, this is God, what God told His people to do now that they know they're going to be in exile for 70 years. He said, build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply, do not dwindle and work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. I find it both encouraging and challenging to read this portion of Scripture, especially that last part where it says, do not dwindle away, work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you to exile. I'm not sure if you're aware of this right now, but God is wanting you to work for the peace and prosperity of Rockingham the peace and prosperity of the greatest city of Perth, the peace and prosperity of our state. And as we do that, he says, pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. You know, even while they were in exile, God demanded that His people would hold on to a perspective that came from His kingdom. He wanted His people to hold on to specific mindsets. I see them clearly in these portions of Scripture as the mindset of a property owner, the mindset of a proprietor, the mindset of promise keeper, the mindset of a parent, the mindset of a peacemaker, the mindset of a prosperity creator, and finally, the mindset of a priest. I wanna take some time to look at that this morning. The first thing he says is build homes. You know, you're not able to build a home unless you own the property. You've got to be a property owner. Only property owners have the authority to build buildings. If you rent a home and don't like the decor or the gardens or the design, you really only have one option, put up and shut up. I know because right now, just for a short season, we've chosen to go into a rented property after owning a property for years, for decades. We'll do that again in the future, not too distant as we move forward. But you know, as you are a landowner, when you are a landowner, what comes with that is the authority to build. And God says here, you know what? Continue with your pre-COVID-19 plans to buy your own home and build your own home. Continue to set savings goals to secure your financial future. Renting is fine for a time, but it's not God's lifetime plan for you. The first mindset that God brings His people to is you've got to be a property owner. And then second, He says, plant gardens. To plant a garden, you need to be a proprietor. You may not own the land, you might lease the land during the context of Jeremiah's time, but he says, I want you to plant gardens. If you wanna live off the land, you can't do that by simply putting a veggie back patch out in the backyard. Many of you already experienced that. You need to sow a whole paddock so that you can live off the land. And to do that, you're gonna engage contractors or workers to help with that endeavour. 
I think out of this, God is speaking to us clearly about the fact that we need to let that entrepreneurial spirit that He put on the inside of us grow. Don't let it dwindle away. Don't let it diminish. Think outside the box. Don't make your super fund the silver bullet for your financial planning. Have a proprietor's mindset. To be a proprietor or a business owner, you have to set stringent budgets. You have to have a a business plan. You need to know how to make money, not just manage money. And God says during this time, don't forget that I've called you to be a property owner and a proprietor. And further to that, I want you to marry. You're not doing this life to do it alone. Be a promise keeper, enter into covenant relationship. Marriage was not created to protect assets or create domestic partnerships. It was created for the protection and prosperity of families, for adults and for children. I know many believe today that marriage is a right of all people, regardless of their sexual preferences. But that is not what God's Word declares. And as I make that statement today, there'll be people that will resist that perspective. There will be people that vehemently oppose it, but it's not my perspective. It's the Bible's perspective. It's not even what the government says, marriage starts and finishes with God. And during this portion of Scripture where God was communicating to His people how to journey through uncertain times, how to live during times of exile and restriction, He says, I want you to be a property owner. I want you to be a proprietor. I want you to go about and do business and help others engage in this thing called life. But He says, I want you to marry. And marriage is built on promises kept. You've got to be a promise keeper. Marriage starts and finishes with God, not with government, not with a select group of society, with God. All healthy relationships, in fact, are are built by promise keepers, built on promises kept through every season. And then God says to His people, I want you to multiply, have children, He was saying there that I want you to have the mindset of a parent, of a mom and dad. Did you notice that the command to marry came before multiplying? There's a very good reason for that. In fact, God was saying, in essence, if I could use today's language, hey, ladies and gents, when you are physically attracted to a person of the opposite sex, sooner or later, you're gonna end up in bed. Before you do that, you need to be a promise keeper. Otherwise, men, you'll get intimate, she will, she will get pregnant and you'll be tempted to walk out. And that's simply not healthy for everyone involved. God is calling us during these times to remember that we carry the mindset of promise keepers and we carry the mindset of parents, father and mother, growing a healthy, strong, vibrant family. And then God says work. It's interesting that Up until this point, God's talking about the mindset of how we see the world and how we engage in everyday life. And now He starts to talk to us about the actual work that we need to be about. And first of all, He says you need to work at being a peacemaker. There is a big difference between being a peacemaker and a peacekeeper. Peacekeepers stick their head in the sand or run away from situations. But peacemakers work through confrontation. God didn't call you to be a welfare recipient. 
He called you to be a welfare provider. And so He starts off by talking to us about being property owners, proprietors, promise keepers. The people that are succeeding in business today have strong ethic and integrity. They give you the word and they follow through with the same actions. They don't refer to a contract and maybe the small print where they can get out of it. But as we come down to the end of this discourse, we find out that God wants us to be working as peacemakers and working as prosperity creators. He wants us to be the people that are creating prosperity. When we think of welfare in our modern world today, we think of receiving welfare from the government or an organisation. But here God says, you know, if you work at being a prosperity creator, you will be the actual one that provides welfare for others. Not so much through handouts, but through primarily providing the hand up of worthwhile work. It's a powerful thing. Can I speak to those of you today that employ others in small and large business? Can I encourage you that you are doing a great work in providing welfare to others that has dignity attached to it, that a good day's work deserves a good day's pay. And that is a powerful thing. Don't pull back in your planning from your proprietary obligations of running your business. Now is the time like never before to become wise and diligent and cunning so that you can make that business that you are responsible for prosperous, not just for you and your family, but for everyone it employs. But you might say to me today, Pastor, I'm just a sole trader. It's just me working in my own business. And that is true. But the reality is you are keeping a whole bunch of other people, the suppliers that you go to for your building supplies, the contractors that you use from time to time to do the work that you can't do. There are many ways that you are providing employment, even as a sole trader, in that business. Professionals in the same way. You look upon accountants and lawyers and other consultants that can help you continue in your profession. Can I encourage you to hold on to that mindset of being one that creates prosperity, of being one that works for the peace of your city, and a lot of that is going to, go, going to cause people to get involved in government, to get involved in the, in, in the environment of law and other areas. And we must continue to work in that way. And of course, in our personal relationships, peace is something you've got to work at. You don't keep it so much as you work at finding a place of peace in all of those really important relationships. And then finally, God calls us to hold on to the mindset of a priest. And that's interesting because He says, pray for the welfare of your city. He doesn't just say, keep your prayer life strong. He actually calls people into a place where they will be priests. A priest is somebody that meets with God on behalf of others. As we come into land, on this message this morning. I'd like to focus in on this area of becoming a priest because I think 
honestly, as you listen this morning, maybe you were challenged in the thought of becoming a property owner because you've been in a rented home for a long period of time. And there's no judgment there. We all do these things at different times and phases and stages of life. But I want to encourage you that the spirit of faith that's been put on inside of you includes enough faith to save a deposit, buy land, build a home and have something as an inheritance into the future that is called real estate. But as we come into this moment, equally important, God is calling you to be a priest where you'll begin to pray specifically, fervently and intuitively for others, not just yourself. Right now, our world globally and locally, here in this local church and across the city of Rockingham and the region of Perth, the state of Western Australia, people are experiencing low to high levels of anxiety, not because of a mental health issue, but because of the environment we find ourselves in. You know, I talked earlier about the fact that we've woken up out of COVID-19, but here in WA, really, we're just starting to experience the full effect of it. But actually the world is coming out of COVID-19 and we have literally woken up into a brand new world. I don't think anyone, I certainly can't at this point in time, predict what church life, work life, business life is really gonna look like in the future. All I know is, is it has changed. We're in a completely different world. More people are working from home than ever before. Almost 50% of office space in our state is now empty today as companies have moved to a brand new mindset of how they'll do business in the future. What does that mean for church life and for worship? Who would have thought that we'd be sitting here today having church online and not in this auditorium like we have known so well for hundreds of years in the history of the church. It will return in the future, but it will return in a different way. Anxiety is a high level because of the constant change, the disruption of life rhythms and routine and so much more. Could I ask you as a priest to start today to begin to come before God and ask God to pour out His Spirit of faith and tenacity over His church. Because what's happening in our world today is not an onslaught of mental illness created by a cognitive issue or a chemical issue, but it's literally the environment that we're living in post COVID and for us here locally coming out of the COVID lockdown and restriction life that we've been put under over the last two years. Weariness is another thing that is rampant across our community. I've talked with people close in Connect and staff and broader church community. And you know, they have all agreed that, that, agreed that these three things outlined of anxiety and weariness, which incidentally I received from a teaching that we got online uh, from for pastors and leaders being re retrained during this season because we understand at this time that there are things that we need to learn and unlearn if we're gonna keep up with what God is doing in the here and now. So can I talk to you about weariness when I mentioned it to a minister who called me the other day, he says, oh, the devil is just at work making people weary. And I politely but softly agreed with him in his mindset, but I said, you know what? I know that the enemy can use weariness, but I don't think it's actually the enemy making us weary. Because my Bible tells me not to grow weary while doing good. 
I said to him, you know what, as far as I'm concerned, I look at my team, my volunteers, my staff, and they have been working tirelessly for two and a half years doing good. And the good that they're doing is making a difference, but at the same time, it's causing them to be weary. And I wanna speak to you in the congregation. I believe that you've been working at doing good for your family and doing good for your marriage and doing good for your career. And that has caused you to come at times and just find yourself weary, always kind of digging to the bottom of the barrel of energy to do that thing that must be done today. And the Bible says, don't grow weary while doing good. I think the weariness is the result of the revolving door of change that has essentially disorientated our society. So can I call you as a priest to pray and ask God to strengthen and recharge His people so they can continue to do that good thing that God has called them to do. And obviously pray at this time for the divisiveness that has hit our society, resulting from the polarity of opinion on political and medical fronts. Don't pick fights, don't have debates. Pray now for all of God's people, for everyone in your community, for your next door neighbour, for people at work and ask God to unite His people in the bonds of love and the mission of the Gospel. I really believe at this point in time that God is reminding us of the mindsets that we need to carry and the spirit that needs to be the force behind all that we do. And that spirit is a spirit of faith. It's a spirit of love. It's a spirit of hope. It is a spirit of kindness. I think if we look around the room right now, if we begin to observe people that we engage with this week, you'll discover that most people are dealing with the very same things that you and I are dealing with. At the at very best, we're dealing with low level anxiety because of constant change in the unknown of the environment that we're living in. Many of us, especially if you're a leader, if you're a leader in the marketplace today, if you're a leader in ministry today, I would say whether you realise it or not, you're dealing with high levels of anxiety as a result of the environment around about you. It's not something that you need to go to the doctor and get a pill for. It's not something that needs to be cast out of you because of some spirit of fear, but it's literally the result of the environment around about you, the circumstances that you find yourself working through. And to deal with that, the Bible says when we're anxious, when we're worried that we should pray for ourselves. And we need to do that, casting all our cares upon the Lord because He cares for us. If you're worried or concerned about something, bring your petitions to God because He cares for you. Do that, but take it to the next level and begin to pray for others that are dealing with challenges at work, in ministry and at home. And then finally, like I said, let's look to be the kind of people that will be priests, that will meet with God for others not just for ourselves. I can't afford to be the kind of Christian that only goes to God in prayer for us four and no more. That is me, my wife and my kids. And if I'm gonna say that correctly, it'd have to be uh, us four and 55. Um, not 55 kids, but all my children and their spouses and their grandchildren. You know what I'm saying. Can I pray with you right now? that the words that have been spoken today will be a source of faith and encouragement to you. 
accept. You know, God does not change His plans or will for your life because of a pandemic. He does not change His plans for you because we're still locked in a certain sense of Babylon, where we're in this world, but we're not of this world. In fact, in that portion of Scripture in Jeremiah, if you read it on through to around about 13, verse 13 or 14, you'll discover that God says, I will come and rescue you and bring you home. And I think that was a prophetic declaration of the New Testament believer that, you know what, we may have been set free by the Son and born again and living this amazing life of Christ right now, but essentially we're still locked in to this world and its limitations. Death is still the final enemy that needs to be defeated. And it's only when Jesus comes to rescue us and bring us home to heaven where we experience the full expression of salvation that we've inherited in God. I wanna pray with you now. God, I pray. I pray for everyone listening to this broadcast especially those, God, today that have recognised that there's levels of anxiety that they've been carrying from a period of time that is not a result of anything else but the journey that we're going through, waking up to this new world, coming out of a season of shifts and change. God, we're looking for that path of rhythm of life, that God, we would return to the unforced rhythms of grace, regardless of what might change today and in the days ahead, that everything we do would flow out of you supplying your strength, your ability by your grace into our life. God, I pray for those that are weary, that today they would be strengthened, recharged and encouraged, that God, your people would unite together in the bonds of love and the mission of the Gospel. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Friend, it's been such a privilege to be able to share this Word with you today. I know that we're going to conclude with a time of worship together. Could I give you this charge? Even if you need to pause this broadcast, if there's distractions there right now, deal with them. So that in this time of worship right now, you can come to the altar of God, lay every burden on the altar, take up His yoke because it's easy and His burden because it's light. The burden that God wants to place on you today is that the work that you would do would be to work toward peace, that you'd work towards the prosperity of your city in prayer and you'd pray for its welfare because God can form a nation in a day. And if God can form a nation in a day, He can turn the city around in a day. He can turn debt around in a day, famine, disease, sickness. He can turn it around in a day. There's nothing God can't do in a day. Today, everything can turn in your favour. Today, everything can turn back to kingdom principle and value. We resist today the spirit of the Antichrist, the spirit of the world, and allow the spirit of God to come and invade our homes, our hearts, our lives. In Jesus' Name, Amen. God bless you today. You know, right now, I wanna take a moment to speak to those of you that are listening that do not have a relationship with God. I wanna give you an opportunity in this moment to start a brand new life-giving, life-changing relationship with God, where God forgives you of your sins and burdens, 
releases you from those things and gives you a brand new start in Him. Not just an eternal home in the future, which is the most powerful inheritance that we receive, but also a confidence right now that wherever you go, He goes. And so if you are there right now sitting on the fence of life, sitting on the fence of decisions, sitting on the fence of compromise. Can I tell you today, today is the day, now is the day of salvation. Now is the time to surrender your life completely to Him and come into a brand new life with Christ. I wanna lead you in a prayer. And before I lead you in that prayer, I need to let you know that this prayer that I'll lead you in is where you will admit that you're a sinner in need of a Saviour that you'll ask God to forgive you of those sins, cleanse you of every wrong by putting your faith in Jesus Christ alone for salvation and come to Him as, your, as a child. Receive God as your heavenly Father. Can I pray with you now? Say this prayer after me. God, today, I come to you now as a child in need of a Saviour. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me from every wrong. Make me right with you because of what Jesus did for me on the cross of Calvary. Today, I surrender my life to you. I receive Jesus into my heart, into my life. God, receive me today as your child. I commit to follow you all the days of my life. Help me to grow in you. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Friend, as you keep your head bowed, I wanna now pray for you. Father, I pray right now for people that have surrendered their lives to You, that God, today, You would fill them by the power of Your Holy Spirit, that You would energise them from the inside out, that they would learn that this salvation life You've called us to is not an outside-in process, but an inside-out working of Your love, Your grace, Your mercy and Your power. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Well, God bless you for praying that prayer. And I'd ask you to use the details on the screen to reach out to us so that we can help you send you a Bible, make a phone call, meet with you personally when we're able to. Thank you for joining us today. God bless. Amen.